What is that? Anybody? Well, what does it look like? It looks like the word to remember. Uh, what else is it? What's it written on? Remember life without post-its? I don't know if you know the story behind that or not. Kind of interesting little story behind the post-it invention. And uh, I've already said that God has smiley faces in his word. Well, God has post-its in his word, too. And uh, what do we use post-its for? Yeah, little reminders. I was going to ask Dennis if I could use him for an example. Can I use you for an example? The few... <laughs> and I'm the same way. If you were seeing my desk at home, it's got post-its, it's got little sticky tabs, it's got whatever all over. Phone numbers, addresses, whatever. But the few times I sit at Dennis's desk during Bible school, uh, and it's not always him, it's sometimes staff members come in, they have a sticky tab, and they have, you know, fix the toilet in the men's uh, restroom or something like that, or do whatever. And uh, so his, his desk there has usually sticky tabs or notes or reminder, reminders of one sort or another uh, around there in, in generous uh, abundance. And uh, so we, we've come to depend on post-its, and, uh, but its, it's post-its are good. There's a man by the name of Spencer Silver working for 3M Manufacturing in Minneapolis here. And uh, he actually was uh, endeavoring, he was a... a, a, a his title, I think, was some type of a uh, lab technician. This was back in 1968, and uh, he was trying to create a super strong adhesive to be used in the aerospace industry, in the, uh, to be used in building airplanes. Well, something went wrong with his recipe, and uh, when he was finished with it, it did not have any hardy strength at all. And uh, I was a little disappointed they didn't stick on the wall here. They did on my home, wall at home, but uh, I'm going to... 3M is stretching their budget a little bit or what? I'm not even sure they're going to stay there for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he, he was disappointed in his glue. He was supposed to come up with a super strong adhesive. And you imagine flying an airplane and they told you it was glued together with 3M adhesive. How comforting would that be? Well, certainly not sticky tab adhesive anyway. But uh, he uh, consulted with the top management about what happened and uh, they, of course, couldn't think of any useful purpose for it, and uh, they did discover it had some interesting characteristics. They said that, first of all, that it could, you could stick it to a surface and peel it away without leaving any residue, and so that was kind of interesting. The second feature was that it was reusable. You could pull it off numerous times and stick it back on again, and, uh, but Silver himself, the scientist or the uh, lab technician that it worked, it really said, I, I don't, can't come up with any good marketable purposes for this either. And uh, he, you know, talked to some of the other 3M uh, lab people. And so it got shelved for quite a number of years. And then finally in 1973, there was a, uh, an, a change of management in the lab technician or department there. And again, Silver brought up this idea of this glue. If there wasn't something, you know, useful for this. And so they, they said, well, let's put it on a board. And instead of having to use thumbtacks or, or glue or sticky tack, Whatever you stick on that board stays on. So it was the idea that we replaced traditional bulletin boards. Well, they realized the marketing field was pretty limited in that extent. Everybody already had their bulletin boards probably. Were they going to go put up new bulletin boards? Well, maybe they're building new perhaps. So they, again, that really didn't materialize. And, uh, however, there was working at 3M another man by the name of Art Fry. And uh, he was... Uh, 
He was also worked for 3M, but he also sang in, a, in the church choir at St. one of the St. Paul churches. And uh, he would mark his Sunday morning song selections with little slips of paper. And uh, this is getting to be kind of uh, a frustration for him because he up there in the choir loft, you know, looking for his pages, and these little slips of paper would fly out. And uh, so he, on a whim, he said, well, you know, he told uh, 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 Silver, he said, you're doing this wrong. He said, you really need to just put it on the paper. And he played around with it and used it on his song selection papers to mark his song selections for the choir the next morning. And it was, uh, it, it actually was uh, something that was marketable. They, they developed it. They realized that it had potential. And it wasn't until probably about, uh, at Fry's suggestion, they, they made the little uh, post-it pads as we know them today. There's all kinds of shapes and sizes. I'm going to give you some to, uh, to use this morning in the sermon. In one word or a short uh, sentence, and this can be for anybody feels like writing, nobody's obligated. Uh, one word or a short sentence of, and I'll let you go back to last Sunday's service. And I thought last Sunday's service was a really good service. Anything that impresses you or uh, challenges you in one word or a short sentence. Pull one tab off, one page off, and uh, and I was going to say we can post them on the board in the back there when you're all done if you want to, but I guess they won't stay there. So, the backup plan will be put them in the offering basket. If one of the ushers would make sure the offering basket is sitting in the back after service. If you want to drop your uh, uh, sticky tab, since it won't stick to the wall. <laughs> That's kind of a poor promotion for 3M. I'm going to have to talk to him about this. But uh, put it in the offering basket if you'd like to, uh, to uh, share that. I'm not sure. We may figure out a different way to post them. Well, what are, we, what are we talking about this morning? This morning we're, we're gathered for communion. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this is what I, I would say is God's post-it. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 25. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. I like to suggest this morning that's where God put his sticky tab in the Bible. He says, There's something I want you to remember. Dare we never forget the price that was paid for our burden rolling away as we sang this morning, for the light coming into our lives, and the joy and the happiness that we can have in serving the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Jesus, God, wants us to remember that. And that's the purpose that we're here this morning, to uh, remember the, the broken body, the shed blood on Calvary. And uh, I have this morning, what I like to talk about is uh, four post-it checkpoints that I think we need to be reminded of. Turn your Bibles to John 15, the Gospel of John. As I was thinking about communion this morning, I was thinking, you know, what, it'd be interesting to know what each of your ex expectations are this morning for the service. What are you, what are you anticipating getting from it? Uh, you know, I like to think about things like that, you know, what, uh, what's going to happen or what, you know, is it, uh, you know, is it routine? Is it uh, real sacred? I think it should be. Does it thrill us? Uh, are we humbled by it through the service this morning? To realize that the God of, of heaven, the God of creation, sent his son to die and 
and suffer the cruel death of the cross and experience the resurrection so that I can experience the newness of life? Someone has, has asked this question. He says, is communion a stick for the ministry to get members to, to get members to toe the line? Or, on the other hand, is it a lever for the laity to let their feelings be known by conspicuously not partaking of communion? And I, I probably have seen both extremes already in that expression. I, I think neither really are, are what God intended them to be. Um, as I thought about what are our expectations of communion, I had to ask, what is God wanting from this service this morning? As he looks down on our congregation here this morning, and I think last Sunday's sermon was, a, was an excellent service, and I was blessed for being here. I think it's, it's, an, it's an integral part of, of to give our expression of peace and uh, our expression of, of, uh, of fellowship with God and with each other. I think that's important. And that brings me to the first uh, post-it checkpoint that I want you to think about this morning as I think about communion. And before I, I get to that first point, I want to read from John 15, and uh, verses 1 through 17. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain and whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Looking at these verses, the first thing that I want you to remember, and the post-it note that I see here in the scripture that God put there, is, is the union of communion, the union aspect of communion. Uh, you know, the, the union is, uh, or attachment to, to the vine, union is essential for life, whether it be physical life, or as in our example here in the scripture, uh, into nature of that of a branch being attached to the vine, that's essential. We, we understand that. A branch that is cut off will not be bearing fruit. A branch that is cut off will wither and die. But that, that union aspect of communion is, is essential. 
even so spiritually, there's no spiritual life outside of union with Christ. You and I, regardless how much we may try and convince others or tell ourselves, there is no spiritual life outside of Jesus Christ this morning. That's the only way we can experience spiritual life is through the, 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 uh, having the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God living within us. Romans chapter 11, and this may have been referred to last Sunday. I wasn't here for the devotionals. They were telling me uh, Mark had used the idea of grafting in. So I'm not sure if he used these verses or not. But Romans chapter 11, verses 15 through 25. And it's talking about us as Gentiles being grafted into the true vine. For if, verse 15 of Romans 11. For if the casting away of them by the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? That's you and me, life from the dead. For if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the fruit and if the root be holy, so also are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And that's talking about the Jews there. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which falls, on them which fell. Severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in and they also, if they abide not, still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. He's talking about the Jews there, I believe. For if thou wert cut off out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which by, by the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? And I'll stop reading there. But that's talking about what took place in the lives of you and me as, as Gentiles this morning, being grafted into the family of God question we might ask is what determines a good union? Uh, what is my union with Christ like this morning? And according to our testimonies and our service last Sunday, everybody you know, gave a, a, a testimony of a clear conscience and a good conscience with God and with their fellow man. And uh, I don't think we're left in the dark as to what is, is a good union. Going back to the text there in, uh, in John 15 again, uh, we're, we're, we're clear. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Jesus was that true vine. And, uh, you know, we're attached to the true vine. We're attached to that, to the Lord Jesus Christ, have the indwelling presence of his spirit within us. You know, that's, that's, that's as true and as genuine uh, attached to the true rootstock that we can get. There is only one true vine, regardless uh, of what, the world may be trying to convince us and tell us today that there's multiple ways. There is only one way, and that is by being attached to the Lord Jesus Christ. A good union is one that is attached to the true vine, and Jesus identifies himself as being that true vine here in the Scripture this morning. He is that true vine. It's important that we be attached to that true vine. If we are going to be uh, productive uh, children of, of the kingdom, well, the second post that I see here in this scripture in John 15 is we need to look at the life that this union is producing. And uh, it, it, it mentions that right in the beginning. It says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. God is looking for fruit from our lives this morning. God is looking for, 
uh, evidence of fruit. And I, I'd like to just draw your attention to one thought, and this impressed me here uh, again as I looked at this scripture. It doesn't say fruits, plural. It says fruit, singular. Uh, and we can go back to Galatians there and look at the fruit of the Spirit. Again, it's singular. It's, we ought to be having uh, multiple facets of fruit of Christianity, evidence of Christianity in our lives. John 10.10 10 tells us about having the abundant life, and is, is that the kind of life I'm living? Uh, there's life, that, is, there's life that, that abundant life flows through the uh, union with Jesus Christ, that abundant life. And we need to uh, make that choice to be, remain in, in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Notice that in verse 9 it says, As my Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And numerous times he tells us we need to continue in that. We need to be established. We need to be, uh, uh, that union needs to be, if there's going to be productive life, bearing fruit, bearing life coming forth from our experience, that union, it needs to continue there. It's not that it's a once and done experience. We need to continue there. Verse 6 tells us the consequences of choosing not to uh, abide. And uh, it says that uh, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them, cast them in the fire, and they are burned. We are not attached to the true vine. God cannot use us. We need that attachment to the vine if we are going to be bearing fruit. Well, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Uh, the Amplified Version uses the word, to, uh, the word dwell, and uh, we use the word dwelling in our vocabulary today. Uh, that means a place of residence, a place where I stay, a place where I live. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's no question, you know, where I dwell. At least there shouldn't be a question where I dwell. And spiritually, there shouldn't be a question where we dwell either. Uh, we ought to, people ought to know where we're at spiritually. And, uh, you know, this relationship isn't something that's happenstance. You know, even naturally, I, I, I have a, a place that I call home. And it's a place where I can, you know, relax. I can take my shoes off. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that's real. And I believe dwelling spiritually is something that can be just as real as well. It's, uh, it's not something that's happenstance or sporadic. But it needs to be a continuing union with the Lord Jesus Christ for spiritual life to, uh, for fruitful spiritual life to flow through in our relationship Verse 7 tells us just a little more about that abiding. It says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. How do God's words abide in us? The psalmist used the word many times, meditate. And uh, I believe as we think of, of, of taking God's word and meditating on it, on it daily, I think that's an integral part of, of our uh, experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, abiding in him, and my words abide in you. Are his words what dictate my conduct in life? Are his words what uh, direct my thoughts in relation to my decisions? And uh, we sometimes say, well, the Bible has the answers to all of the problems in life or all the questions in life. And I believe it does. But how often do we consult it? Do we know what it says in relation to any given situation that we might experience? Uh, Jesus says that he'll abide in us through his word. God's word needs to be a part of our being. And uh, I'm, I'm talking to myself this morning. I think that's integral that God's word 
is a uh, continuing part of us. Verse 10 talks about keeping God's commandments. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Again, that's obedience to the word of God is part of, of abiding in him. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And that the Christian life can be a life that is full of joy and happiness. Uh, the world sometimes would have us to think we're missing out on things, but in reality we're not. Uh, there's no greater joy than what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Our responsibility is to abide. God has given us the rootstock. He has grafted us in. We need to abide there. We need to continue there. Is that my home? Is that my place of anchor? The third note point that I uh, checkpoint that I have here is the the idea of fruit, and uh, I mentioned that in passing. But I'd like to look just a little closer at the fruit, inspecting our fruit, just inspecting our fruit that we that our lives bear. Uh, you know, even before fruit comes to maturation, our apple trees at home now are just uh, putting leaves on, and won't be long until there'll be blossoms and. You know, as there's blossoms, there's anticipation of fruit. And then, you know, there's buds, you know, another step in there. Uh, and then also in the fruit, there's, there's that reproductive seed that's in there too. And, uh, you know, oftentimes under abandoned trees, perhaps you'll find little shoots of, uh, of new apple trees or other walnut trees or whatever the case may be growing from, from the fruit that has dropped off that tree. And... Uh, so is my life bearing fruit, that, uh, and is it reproducing more fruit in my life? Notice verse 2, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. How fruitful is my life this morning? And that's a challenge that, that challenges me. Uh, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. God, as he looks into our lives this morning as a congregation, I believe he looks, you know, what, what, uh, what level of fruit production are we at? Are we at our maximum potential? Uh, I know Dennis talks about the peace that we have, and we've enjoyed a blessing of peace and, and unity over the years, but, you know, are we complacent with that? Uh, you know, become, if we become complacent, you know, that's, that's probably the first step we go wrong. Uh, we need to uh, we need to continue to cultivate that, and uh, so that's a challenge. Uh, we dare never become complacent, and because uh, God desires, I believe, more fruit. Do I ever reach my full potential of bearing fruit in this life? I don't know. That's just a question that's for you to think about. Will I ever reach my full potential? Will you ever reach your full potential of bearing fruit in this life? Uh, only God knows that, and. Uh, you know, but to allow God to purge me and to to continue to shave things off, things that are unnecessary, things that are unneedful, uh, do I resist that? Do I reject that? Uh, do I say, ouch? You know, when God is doing the purging, we need to be submissive. We need to be obedient and allow him to. It tells us very clearly there in verse 1, he's the husbandman. I don't decide what goes in my life. God decides that. And... Uh, so I need to, my response needs to be one of submission and obedience to. Have you felt God's pruning in your life? Maybe you have. Maybe you felt like God's been extra hard on you. I don't know what your experience has been. 
The, in verse 3, it mentions, uh, now you're clean. I, I thought that was interesting. Now you're clean through the word. Again, I'd like to just mention, I think that's impressive. We are clean through the word. I can't emphasize enough this morning the, the importance of God's word. We're going to abide. Uh, God's word is going to purge us. God's word is going to make us productive fruit uh, bearers for him. The, the word clean there is the same Greek root word as, as the word purge in verse 2. And uh, it, it's a, I thought that was rather interesting that it, in verse 3 it uses the word clean, but the same Greek root word in verse 2 it uses the word purge. And uh, do I believe that God can purge me through his word? Well, I need to read God's word with a humbleness of heart and allow his spirit to make application to my life and my experience. And again, the reason for purging is not because God is a, because he can do it, because he, he desires more fruit. He knows it's for our benefit, for our, our, our ultimate benefit. God desires to purge us so that we can be more, more fruitful. And again, just noting verses 4 and 5, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except to abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. We understand that. We cannot bear fruit unless we are abiding in Christ. Uh, there is no fruit outside of the abiding union with Jesus Christ this morning, the spiritual life that we have. I am the vine, verse 5, you are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. How much is nothing? Absolutely nothing. We can do nothing. Do I realize that this morning? Well, the fruit reflects the, the condition of the branch, which resembles the nature of the vine, which returns the glory to God. The fruit is savored, the branches are admired, the vine is central, but ultimately the husbandman gets the, the glory for the pruning and the care. I'd like to just repeat that. The fruit reflects the condition of the branch, okay, which resembles the nature of the vine, which returns the glory to God. The fruit then is savored, the branches are admired, the vine is central, that's important, that union, but ultimately the husbandman gets the glory. And that needs to be our Christian life, our Christian walk with him. Our lives this morning are not for any other purpose than to bring honor and glory to God. Coming to the fourth checkpoint that I have, the note, post-it note that God has in his word here. Uh, the common part of the union or our relationship to those that we have things in common with, our fellow, uh, our fellow believers or Christians, Notice there's some relations to that. Notice in verses 12 and 13, it says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And uh, going back to John uh, 13, verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. That's the, uh, the fourth checkpoint that I think we need to uh, look at in our lives is the idea of the, the common part of the union. I talked about the union part of it. Now this is the common part of that union. As, as a body of believers, how do I relate in a horizontal way with those of like precious faith? And it clearly tells us that we need to have a love relationship and uh, respect of, uh, for each other. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, and that if ye have love one to another. And that was said of our Anabaptist forefathers, and that's recorded numerous times uh, as we think of the price that was paid. Uh, and many times they were brought before their persecutors. It was, it was given that testimony, how they loved one another. You know, when they were put under pressure 
and uh, methods and torture to uh, reveal others of their uh, belief. And they would not reveal the names of those. And they would not betray the names of others. And it was, that testimony was often echoed down through the ages of, of the history. How they loved one another. And uh, I think that's a testimony that needs to go forth today as well. I don't think I know it's a testimony that has to go forth today. There is nothing more powerful than to see a, a brotherhood that is, has love and respect for one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. How else are they going to know if we do not flesh out the love that Christ had for us, for each other? Going back to the uh, First John chapter 4. These are familiar verses. I'd like to just uh, refresh them. First John 4 verses... Uh, 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Now, that sounds like a simple statement, doesn't it? Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So we can understand that. God loved us, so he expects us to reciprocate that love in a brotherhood relationship. No man has seen God at any time. Okay, God, nobody has seen God at any time. But perhaps, just perhaps, they can see a glimpse of God through our relationship. That's, I think, what the scripture is telling us. No man has seen God at any time. If you love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is then perfected in us. God wants to portray his love through us as we relate to one another. And uh, no man has seen God. How else is the world going to see God? if they do not see it in the love of the brotherhood. John 3, verses 14 through 18. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now that's serious. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought, ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Right there it is. We need to love in deed and in truth. And again, the commonness of, of the uh, relationship here, the post that God put here, he expects us to have a brotherhood relationship. Well, I don't know how you feel about these four post-its that God left in his word. Um, I believe if you have evaluated your Christian walk this morning, if they are healthy, I believe this service can be a, a foretaste of, of heaven for us. And I believe even as we, as we meet, it doesn't have to be uh, confined to a twice-a-year experience. I mean, I think it's, it's good we do it the way we do it. We do communion, observe the... Uh, and, uh, emblems of communion twice a year. But I, I certainly hope, and I think it's special, but I hope it doesn't, uh, I, I hope the rest of the services, Sunday morning services, are just as special or almost just as special. Uh, do you anticipate the fellowship of Sunday morning worship services? And, uh, you know, as we remember what Christ has done for us, 
And as we have that commonness together in our, in our fellowship of life and practice and belief, there's something that, that can sustain us through the difficulties of our 21st century, I believe. And uh, I'd like to just uh, turn to Luke chapter 22 as I, in conclusion, as I, I think about the uh, aspect of communion this morning. You know, as, as I was in answer to the question what God, what God's expectations are for this service this morning, I thought of it this way, Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. He said this, and he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Uh, and then I want to drop back to, that's the post-remembrance. He's, he's, he's looking at what, what, has, what is going to happen. We look back to that, that broken body, the shed blood at Calvary. But then there's also a future in Matthew chapter 26. So God is asking us to remember those post-its in his scriptures. He says, remember that, you know, the event that took place. Going to Matthew chapter 26, there's a future uh, reminder for us too. So the, the post-it is, is for us to look back and remember, but it's also to look forward. Matthew 26, verses uh, 29, he reads like this. Um, and that I should have read these all together probably. But verse 29 is in addition to what was recorded there in, in, in Luke. He said, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So it's a looking forward to that time when we can be with him in, in, uh, in his presence. He says, as he gave them direction to look back at, the, uh, at that last supper, but then he said also, I want you to look forward to this. So it's, it's, a, it's a looking back, and it's also a looking forward to in anticipation. And, uh, you know, this could well be our last communion, perhaps. We don't know. It could be for some of us. It could be for all of us. We don't know when the Lord's return is. But the important thing is that we remember these post-its that God has given to us to remember. And those things would guide us through our, our service this morning. And our, uh, not only our service this morning, but uh, throughout our, our congregational life, I believe. I think that's critical and that's important that we uh, continue uh, in the Scripture as we have it uh, given to us there in uh, John 15, that of abiding in the true vine. I think that's important that we, we, we experience all that God wants us to experience as a congregation this morning. So our desire is this morning, this, as we observe these emblems of communion, that it could be a, a time of enrichment a time of uh, blessing, and uh, I look forward to see what your sticky tabs will say, and uh, I don't know if you have them done or not, but we'll have the offering basket in the, uh, where will the offering basket be sitting? On the, chair. on the chair in the back there. If you care to drop your sticky tab in, we'll uh, perhaps put them together some way, uh, and uh, others can be blessed by your thoughts of what blessed your service, or what blessed you in the service last Sunday or this Sunday. Lord bless you.